Hello, welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axiona Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with sports editor Tim Miller, Alexi Pavlov, sports editor of the Richwood Gazette, managing editor Chad Williamson, Bob Putman, sports writer, Journal Tribune. All right, so we have reached the end of the, the, regular, end of the regular season. Yeah, regular season, and we have two teams left. In the playoffs in Marysville, and uh, Jonathan Alder. Jesus uh, loves us. Pardon? Jesus loves us because <laughs> yeah, we were staring at possibly four teams <laughs> heading to all corners of the state. Yes. We ended up with two teams, both down in the, the Columbus area. Yes, down that the road. Somebody loves us. Yeah. It's not Jesus, somebody, because we got very lucky. <laughs> Jesus loves everyone, you know. Uh, I think we could start the first part of this. This could be called the ifs and buts. Portion I don't, I don't of think the episode. Say the rest of that because <laughs> that would apply to the three teams that didn't get into the playoffs uh, for Fairbanks if they hadn't had some injuries to some key personnel and if they hadn't lost head coach Patrick Cotter to a health issue basically midway through the season. The things might have gone uh, better for them, but those things happen. For Triad, if they hadn't had to play a lot of freshmen and sophomores, particularly on the offensive line that was yeah, hit I was hard say, by, if they'd had a line, that's a big if. Yeah, yeah, it, they needed they needed the yeah, most. Yeah, the, their li- offensive line was hit very hard by graduation losses from 2022, but. They had to play senior or sophomores and, and freshmen to fill up the spaces. North Union, if they had won some of their games that they lost by a handful of points, they'd have been in the playoffs, but they didn't. So uh, I'll start off with Fairbanks last week. They ended their season. Uh, it was a rough one. Uh, lost 55 nothing to West Liberty Salem, and it was a game that noth- nothing – went right for Fairbanks. West Lib took the opening kickoff, went, covered a lot of territory in about three plays, scored a touchdown. Fairbanks' first series, they throw an interception. West Lib goes down for a touchdown. Second Fairbanks series, they lose a fumble. West Lib takes it down, you know, goes on a little march and scores a touchdown. So within the first five minutes of that game, Fairbanks was down 21 to nothing, and it's like, uh, okay. And Fairbanks only finished the game with nine total yards rushing, and I think it was like 47 yards of total offense. So nothing went right for them. Uh, It ended a very difficult season with them going two and eight. Uh, right now, don't know what uh, Patrick Cotter's plans are for next year. I know he'd probably love to come back and coach, but we'll just have to see how his health issues uh, progress. Uh, and the in- hopefully they can just stay healthy next year. They, they lost their starting quarterback, uh, number two quarterback. Things didn't work out real well. So they had to bring A.J. Landon back in from running back. Uh, he tried his best, but they just had a difficult uh, last month of the season, as we've talked about before, and that was the same with Triad. 
You had a tremendous running back in Austin Mitchell. Uh, but again, he had to do a lot of the work on his own because that young offensive line was just overmatched in, in many of their games. Although they did finish the season last week, barely lost to Mechanicsburg, and I think that was a head-scratcher for all of us. What did Mike Braun tell you, Alexi, after that game? There were a lot of opportunities for them to score. Uh, from what I remember talking to Mike Braun, he mentioned that they got a turnover uh, deep in their own territory. They marched down all the way to Mechanicsburg's 15-yard uh, line right before the halftime break was about to happen. Um, but they just couldn't punch it in. Um, and there there was another case where, like, they score in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. They try uh, to get an onside kick, but that didn't, ha- that didn't work out in their favor. Um, but, I mean, kind of like you said, um, and this is something that Mike Braun really brought to my attention, is that I think it's now 13 years – running that triad has lost to Mechanicsburg um and none of the uh well the games leading up to this season in particular they the scores haven't been close but this game was different and while there are no moral victories I think I think Mike Braun was I mean I don't I don't even want to say pleased obviously because you know he he wants to win every game I think everyone wants to win every game um, but it's a good it's a good uh, gauge to see where the team's at, especially when you're that far into the regular season. You know, Mechanicsburg is an established program, and to have Awesome also like perform very well against Mechanicsburg, I think it just it I think I think it's a good building opportunity for the program. Mechanicsburg tends to be built around their line play. We've always talked about that, so. If they could figure something out to even stay in that game to offset, you know, that tradition of good line play from Mechanicsburg, then that has to be a plus going into yeah. the off season. And now Mike just has to write his letter to Santa Claus coming up here and asking for him to drop some stakes and per- stakes and weights. Well, stakes and weights. Uh, <laughs> a couple, three um, or four linemen shoved okay. them down the chimney. That might help too. Hey, they don't so. just come out. You got to give them stakes and get them in the weight room. <laughs> Some, some, I guess, like notable turnovers, and I'll mention some names on this. Brody Hess had a fumble recovery, and um, Cam Thomas had an interception return for 32 yards. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, would, I, would, I would tend to agree that I think this offseason needs to be uh, focused primarily on the offensive line. You already know where your skilled players are at. You already know who's going to contribute for next year. Um, unlike last year, there's not – a whole lot of notable names. I mean, there are some good players, but there's not like that offensive line senior class that's going to like really put them behind. Um, it just they have to take advantage of the fact that that's it's going to be awesome in Caden's last year. Well, um, and they play. I mean, the linemen they threw in there got a year of you know experience. They, they right. took some lumps. And yeah, I mean, I mean that's something. Right. I mean, you've got to build on that, and they've got to grow, but. Not, you're not throwing new kids in on that line. They're not going to get overwhelmed by just the Friday night lights next year. So that's something. Right. And, and there has to be some guys walking the halls in that school. I would, man, I'm telling you, there wouldn't be a kid over 200 pounds I wouldn't talk to. If I oh. was that coach with those skill positions I had back there, I'd 
I'd find some kid off the basketball team and fatten him up and say, <laughs> we can put you in there. Like, I'd find anybody. There's the, got to be some kids yeah, in there. Yeah, there has to be some kids walking the halls of that school that give them a good sales pitch. Yeah, see if you can get some more bodies out because, you know, they've had rosters in the 30s and stretching it to 40 on a good year. Yeah, you know, you got to have depth. You've just got to have quality depth. Newish stadium, great back behind you. Like, oh. that's a good sales pitch yeah, to be able it to. Is. Well, it and, is. And, it and even to build off that point, not to take anything away from the senior uh, offensive lineman uh two seasons ago, but you look at some of the film and, you know, it wasn't, I mean, like awesome made a lot of plays that I would think would be tackles for a loss um, on him, but he was able to bounce things around. I think, I think it just needs to, I, th I think when you're looking for offensive linemen to take over that position, they just need to like hold, uh, not hold, but like, you know, hmm? hold their blocks <laughs> for. I'm telling you, for, <laughs> I for, watch Marysville uh, every week. There's holding galore. There's only, there's only on every play. Every well, team, every, every play. If, if you called holding every time you saw it, you'd start the game right. on Friday night and you'd end it maybe Sunday morning. I don't know. But well, what you're saying is I just need somebody to direct – they don't really need to pancake the guy. They right. just got to move him right. and, and give a hold. But that's just, just, just take up bodies blocks. on bodies, yeah. you know. Like that's, sustain your blocks. That's all that's you zone need. Blocking. That's yeah. zone blocking. You yeah. just get out there and you let lanes develop. Yeah. yeah. So. And it doesn't take much for Awesome to to find a crack. I mean, he's, I he's gonna, through it. I was going to mention something about when you kind of went straight over to Triad from Fairbanks, but all those turnovers Fairbanks had – they had what three interceptions, and I know yeah, a couple they had, of some yeah, fumbles. Yeah, they and they, you know you got a backup quarterback in there, and man, that's the problem with small school football is that, and you know it's it is what it is. Everybody deals with the same thing, but your backup quarterback is likely your starter somewhere else. It is not like he's getting a bunch of reps, taking snaps, giving handoffs. Like it's not like you go through preseason and you've got a number one and a number two, and they're just alternating or whatever, you know, that number two or number three, they're emergency. So they, they just don't get those reps because they're probably a receiver or a running back, and they're getting all those reps over there. They're not as worried, you know, about And there were that. a lot of emergency situations yes. from Fairbanks this yeah. year. So, mean, so they get a week of work. Yeah. And that's the sum total of their experience. I mean, I'm making a lot of assumptions, but I know that's the problem is that, you know, if you've got a roster of 60, maybe you've got an underclassman that takes a lot of snaps over there and, you know, is comfortable directing the offense. When you're in a small school, that next guy in is coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, to kind of talk more about Fairbanks, though, um, who who do they have coming back for next year that – that I guess is a, a good sign for what's to come. For well, the Panthers, pending you know his surgically repaired knee will hold up. Carter Miller will be back at quarterback next year. He's a junior this year. Uh, unfortunately, his knee injury, he's not going to be able to play basketball, which didn't uh, uh, didn't make Zach Brown the basketball coach too happy. But these things happen. Braden Weedman is a I believe he's a sophomore. He showed signs of being a pretty good uh, pass receiver. Uh, he's had a problem with an ankle. 
They're hoping to get him back by the first part of basketball season. Uh, Riker Green will be a, a senior next year. Riker uh, bummed up his ankle in the first game against Jonathan. <laughs> Pattern here, I, <laughs> Jonathan Alder. They need to roll the turf over there or something <laughs> to get the lumps out of yeah, that uh, field. You know, and there's some talent coming back. Um, there's Holtz Main will be back. He'll be a senior. Uh, it's he's, a lot. He's yeah. played well. Yeah. That's a lot of names I've heard yeah. all year long yeah. of, of uh, guys producing. You know, until yeah, really AJ, go on the DL. AJ right. yeah. Landon's gonna be gone. Uh, after this year, Rafi Stoffer, this is his senior year. Gatlin Conley is a sophomore. He was the number. He came in at quarterback after Carter went down with his knee injury, and then they just felt they needed some more experience at the quarterback position, and that's why they brought AJ laying him back with uh, three games left in the regular season. But there is talent coming back. Um, hopefully, they can boost their line a little bit more but uh, the cupboard's not bare by any stretch of the imagination if again they're just going to have to try to keep people as healthy as they possibly can and that that was that was their main uh, problem during the the recently completed season so but there there's hope we'll just have to wait and see how things go with Patrick and again we continue to wish him good health going forward and see what happens. Bob, if it hadn't been for a lot of small point differentials, we'd be going somewhere Friday night with North Union, talk about their season just a little bit. Well, they uh, lost Friday night to Indian Lake 15-13, to 13, and that goes right in hand-in-hand with what uh, has happened to them during the season. Uh, the Wildcats finished 4-6. and six. Uh, five of the losses by a total of 18 points. Uh, the only game that they were blown out of was Alder beat them 35 to nothing. But the other five games, um, late in the fourth quarter, they had chances to win. If you turn just a couple of those games around, one. they'd be playing for Probably one. Maybe one. Probably I mean, that one. Indian late game would have got them in. Yeah. Two points. Oh, it would have yeah. got them in, yeah. Yeah. Well, and they, uh, again, at the end, they they uh, fought hard. And, and that was one thing in talking with uh, Coach Hajar after the game. Um, he says the season, with the way it started, could have gone south. And he said these kids just, you know, buckled down. They, they weren't going to let that happen. Um, and they, they gave a chance to uh, – uh, at the end, and and one of the things uh, he talked about was you know was his senior class. A lot of them were first year starters um, because they had a pretty good you know senior class last year also. And he just said, "Boy, it'd be nice to have them for another year." Um, but it you know they they never quit. Uh, uh, again on Friday night, uh, they scored late in the in the game to get within two points. They they tried a two-point conversion. Uh, unfortunately, it, it did not go well. So then they had to do the onside kick, and, and Indian Lake recovered and, and, and were able to, to run the clock out. So um, just a – and you said earlier about the what-ifs. Boy, uh, Coach Hajar said all year, you know, you never know the three or four plays that are going to make a difference in a game. 
and he says, we just didn't make enough of them. And that's, uh, you know, uh, it, it was it was tough to watch Friday night when they, they do the senior. The seniors go to uh, start at one end of the field, um, walk arm in arm to the middle of the field. They stand there for a little while uh, and then walk hand in hand, arm in arm back. And uh, it's something they've done for a long time there, from what I understand. And uh, they, uh, it, it was tough to watch because those kids, uh, you know, knowing it was their last high school football game, uh, and, and even I think Nick got a little bit emotional uh, with what, you know, with what was going on. So it was, uh, uh, you know, they got and, – and they lose some kids, and, and it's, it's going to be interesting next year because uh, uh, a lot of his skilled people are going to be gone. And so that's uh, – you know, there's going to be some rebuilding need to be done there with, with North Union. Uh, they lose some people along as <laughs> – Again, the offensive line, uh, they lose some people there. And uh, so um, just the what – I mean, it was – I saw uh, – I was in person for every game but one and watched, and watched that game on YouTube. But uh, they were they were just right there. I, mean, I was going to say, they, they're really a team that feels like they belonged in there. Like we talk oh, about all these teams so, that yes. – Oh, this team doesn't deserve it, or this team hasn't earned their way in. And they were so close, so many times. Like they feel like they, they feel they feel like a playoff team to me. Like yeah. honestly, well, their their six losses, the worst record of the team that beat them was six and four. Uh, there was one that was nine and one, and I think the rest of them were seven and three. Um, and so they you know, played. it wasn't like they got beat by somebody no. that they were, you know supposed to beat that wasn't the case yeah um and they caught and they caught pleasant the first game and pleasant was vastly improved right and caught everybody off guard uh, had they maybe caught pleasant a little later in the season when they knew oh this is not the old pleasant that hasn't been doing much they might have been better prepared for that too and they really drew a playoff short, team yeah they year. drew a short what they lose three games I think so. They drew yeah. kind of a short straw there. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people thought Ple- they, were, they were the one that was six and four. Pleasant. Okay, so Ple- you kind of think though Pleasant has been a one or two win team in the last three think, or four years. That's what they've been. Yeah. So, so you think you got them right out of the shoot, and all of a sudden, hey, they're punching back this year, and it catches you a little bit off guard if you yeah. caught them once you realized they were a little better. Yeah, a season like what they had when five of your losses have been by a total of what you said eighteen, Eight, 18, 18 points. points. That, that can grind on your gears a little bit. But Nick's got to be satisfied, Not maybe not satisfied, but he, he has to be proud of the kids that they, they put up such a fight in and, those and that, games. He, he talked about that a couple times in the interview after the game. He, he said, like I said, we could have folded the tent. Yeah. When we were, when we were one and five and, you know, uh, we could have been done, and and they weren't. And uh, you can argue the schedule got a little more favorable to them, but they still had to go out and win those games, yeah. play, you know. Um, and and so um, disappointing, obviously. But uh, in the end, I mean, they, they had some kids that uh, uh, finished near the top in some of the, the stat lines for the CBC. Um, Carter Skaggs was fourth in the league in 
passing yards. Uh, Nolan Draper had the uh, was fourth in the league in all-purpose yards. Um, uh, so um, you know they they had some things that went right for them, just not enough of them. We've seen some North Union teams in the past that even when they're good, even maybe some of their playoff teams, when they would get beaten though, they would get blown out or they would lose by a lot. Like it was, you don't want to say there wasn't any fight in them, but like, like if a team really pushed back, like kind of they would, they would backpedal a little bit. This team, I mean, they would fight good teams right to the end. Like, you know, that that's weird. And coming from a team that didn't make the playoffs that, they they really did battle so urgently against such really good teams and just never could get that one well, signature they lost, win they needed. They, they lost to the Zane Trace Zane Trace on a last second field goal. Uh, Graham scored two touchdowns uh, relatively late in the fourth quarter to 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 get that win uh, over him. It was thirty one twenty eight I think was the final or something like that. Um, but uh, uh, so uh, a look back, and, and, and that's, you know, y- you wonder, would you feel better? <laughs> well, you wouldn't look back and say, boy, if we would have just done this, if we'd have got blown out more times than we did. If that field goal doesn't go through, if our two-pointer converts, converts. if this happens, if yeah, this happens, you're, if you're, you know, there's, you're this happens. The this whole like, winner second you know, when, this Like the Jonathan Alder game, there's not a point in that game that you could put, boy, no. if we would have done something different, we would have won that game. Yeah. And the other losses, I'm sure you can go back and look at the videotape and say, man, I tell you what. We were this was, close. That, we were that, that close. That open receiver yeah. just didn't get the ball to him or yeah. – or, didn't you know we didn't get that fourth down play just right? I, I think those type of games are tougher, especially going into the off season. You've got all the off season to sort of replay the season in your mind, and it's like you know, we were just that ball f- went off the receiver's fingertips. We just we we put the ball on the carpet just one time that we. Stopped us, you know, things like that. That has to be well. This is, I mean, I'm going to go back uh, 40 years. Uh, Cleveland Browns had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, uh, and a fumble, a drive, uh, red right 88, uh, you know, kept them from going. You know, those are, you know, names. I mean, the 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 games have names, and so, but. Those are the games that stick with with you. Getting blown out fifty to nothing, yeah, okay, we we got our rear ends kicked. Yeah, yeah we're gonna. Those, you can bounce back from those a lot easier, yeah. I think. I I think in most cases. Yeah. The, uh, the, but the other type of games, those are the ones that gnaw at you. You just for, you nitpick and you yeah. go like say you go in and say, boy, if this just would have happened. And and I agree with you, Chad. You know. Uh, they get that game to overtime against Indian Lake with that two-point conversion. You know, who knows? Um, the thing with them this year, they they didn't run the ball as well as they had in the past. And I think ultimately that led to the four and six record. Uh, they just weren't able to control the line of scrimmage uh, on offense as well as, as they have in the past. So, Well, um, Indian Lake's uh... – Prize, yes. 
I believe they're going to they're going to cold, cold water. water. Yeah, cold water. Going to be yes. mad. Yes. Cold water so, lost Friday night, so they're yeah. Be mad. So, well, and that's enjoy Nortina, your victory in the lake. Nortina <laughs> played them last year same way. They they were coming off a loss to Marion Local, and they don't like losing. So, <laughs> Not used to it, especially, especially to Marion Local. Yeah, those two schools, from what I understand, there's no love lost between them. So. Well, that uh, brings us to our two playoff teams. Uh, Jonathan Alder like was, has gotten the 15th seed in the Division 12 seed. 12 seed. I'm sorry. Someone had to correct me about that earlier today, too. 12 seed uh, in Region 15 of Division 4. They're going to be playing on the road against the fifth seed at Bishop Reedy, and that game's going to be played at Central Crossing, I yes. believe, because yes. Reedy doesn't have a football field. Yeah. So, Alexi, you've seen Jonathan Alder more than the rest of us this year. Talk about their last game that you saw against Tecumseh. Your thoughts on their upcoming uh, playoff um, So, with their premier running back uh, out, um, one of the big questions that I had was, you know, how, how fast out of the gate can the Pioneers, you know, get the running game going? Um and that didn't take long. They scored 14 points in the first quarter, 14 in the second. It was 28 to nine at halftime. Uh, wasn't really a competitive uh, game for Tecumseh during the first half. Um, Tecumseh made some plays in the second half, though. Um, they scored another 14 points in the fourth quarter, but Jonathan Alders added another 14 in the third, and then another seven on top of that in the fourth quarter. Uh, the final score was 49 to 23. Um, just to talk about some individual stats, uh, Grant Horn uh, was 50%, 5 of 10 for 100 yards through two touchdowns, both of which, uh, well, the, the, I believe it was either the first or second play from scrimmage. Um, uh, it was uh, Johan Beckel. Mr. Uh, Mr. Beckel uh, 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 took took a sixty-seven. The horn of Johan. <laughs> the, the, the horn of Johan. Um, he uh, that's deserted. He took a he, he took a uh, somewhat. It was it was it was a bubble screen, uh, but it turned into a sixty-seven-yard touchdown run or touchdown catch rather um, to kind of uh, kick things off in the first quarter. Uh, he ended with four receptions for eighty-six yards. Uh, scored two touchdowns total. The second one was a six-yard completion uh, in the third quarter, I believe. Um, and uh, Mason Curtis, taken over for uh, the leg of Jewel, um, had 20 touches uh, for 155 yards, averaged 7.8 yards per carry. His longest was a 29-yard run. What did it look like, though? You've seen Jewel all year. What's so? So I think I was I was talking to. Uh, Snedeker after the game and you know I've the first time I saw Mason Curtis really be a playmaker was during the lacrosse season and I and I was in awe of his speed um, he's a faster lacrosse player than he is a football player and for this reason only he thinks too much he thinks he has to make all the moves known to mankind uh, when he's out there in open space Cam Jewell is just a straight north and south runner um, doesn't make a whole lot of moves and so there were plays where he could have gone way, like, way longer. Um, the dude can play. The dude uh, can also, like, take on several tacklers at once. Um, I think one of the uh, downsides with Cam Jewell is that it doesn't take 
it doesn't take two tacklers to take him down. It he's usually takes one. Running too fast. <laughs> I mean, he's got all that momentum. And if you doesn't take that much to bump a Lamborghini right. off the road, right. it just exactly. goes in a ditch. It's a little tougher to get a semi. Um, I'm, he, How big is this other kid? Uh, he's he's uh, uh, I mean five foot eight maybe, um, and probably not the same weight or probably similar weight actually to Cam Jewel. Um, but according to Snedeker, he's a film junkie, um, takes a lot of time in the film room. And uh, from what I know from him and lacrosse, he's v- detail-oriented in more things than just lacrosse. But um, but um, I should also add that he accounted for two touchdowns um, on the ground. Grant Horn also had two touchdowns on the ground as well um, in the game. And, you know, I was I was interested to see what his um, yards per carry averaged um, through 10 games. It's 5.9 through all the games that he's played so far. Um, we've talked about this before. He took over for Cam Jewell in the second half when they played Urbana. It took a while for that offense to kind of adjust to his running style and I guess for also Curtis to acknowledge the fact that, hey, you're the guy right now. Um, but, I mean – I th- while it's not as prolific and it's not as flashy, his running gets the job done, especially with that offensive line. That offensive line is, I mean, you have Beefcake out there, Mr. Andrew Heisler. Um, and, uh, Just call high school boy Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> what, that's what they call him. Um, uh, but, yeah, um, I mean, I mean they, have, they have several guys on that offensive line that do, uh, that do great work in their blocking assignments. Um, and it's I, I think I think you put a lot of runners behind that offensive line, you're gonna see a multitude of success. Well I think the I, I think I mentioned this last week in, in talking about the the silver lining to Cam not playing with the playoffs around the corner is they got a full game so he could play to be ready for for the for the playoff game. Had had Cam got hurt in week ten and and now they've got to spend the whole week adjusting adjusting that. to him uh, to the new running back. Um, I, I whether it paves the way to a win and I, I who knows. Right. But at least I, I think they would feel comfortable. Okay, we know, he knows what it's like to play on Friday night as a starter. We know what he can do, and I, I just I. That's a silver lining in, in Cam not playing. Well, and I'm and I'm almost positive that. Um, one of the talks this week, I, I talked to uh, Snedeker last night, and, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, the scouting report for Bishop Reedy, but I could imagine that um, one of the things that, you know, he mentioned to me in Friday night, uh, after the game Friday night, is that there, th- there needs to be a little bit less thinking up, up here for Curtis and just go. Um, and with this game now under his belt as a full-time runner, I think that that's a possibility that he's going to feel more comfortable um, carrying the rock from now on. Uh, I did a little bit of digging for Bishop Reedy, um, and uh, this team this team is you know quite impressive. Um, they're nine and one overall. They're a member of the Central Buckeye League. Uh, they went uh, undefeated in the conference. Uh, wrote down some notable players. One specifically that is going to be uh, focused on for the Pioneers. Primarily this week is uh, running back Kentrell Reinhardt. He's a junior, measures at six foot one, two hundred and five pounds. 
He was the conference player of the year, also got first team honors. Um, and w- I've seen some conflicting stats. I was talking with Bob and, and, and just trying to like figure out like how many yards this guy had on the year. Um, a lot, a, a lot, a lot, uh, north of 2,500, uh, on the ground. Um, I think, uh, Mr. Reinhardt himself said that the stats are messed up and he has uh, 2,600 on the year. Um, the conference listed him. I'd want to quibble about <laughs> after 100 yards. Go for 2,000 yards. Yeah, a couple grand is kind of gravy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and, he, and he broke the school's uh, single-season rushing record. Um, the conference credited him with 38 uh, total touchdowns on the ground, um, but one of the stats that I also saw um, – uh, Bob, for a game, yeah. for a game, almost a yeah, almost for in ten games, thirty-eight touchdowns. Yeah, Good. another one had him for forty-one. Right, yeah, there was another stat line that had him credited for forty-one. So um, either way, this guy is a dude. Um, yeah, and 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 checking, uh, he's already uh, received a lot of college offers, uh, um, mostly from uh, uh, Mac schools, Bowling Green, Hiu. Toledo, mm-hmm. um, Miami, that, Miami. Yeah, um, but probably hadn't had time to talk to him, score all his <laughs> touchdowns. He can't answer his mail. <laughs> he's running down the field, the ball in one hand. And he's got. He's got um, so what's Jonathan Alder gonna have to do to corral this guy? Um, well, I w- they're they're gonna have to stack that box a little bit, but also um, one of the one of the similarities between Bishop Reedy and JA is that. Um, they run similar offenses uh, in terms of you know taking advantage of that outside uh, sweep, outside zones. Um, they they use counter power uh, to get the job done on the ground. Um, I just think you, and I'm sure other teams have tried this, but you got to make the quarterback beat you. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, you can't. Uh, and it's going to be hard when you got a guy that is rushing for over two thousand yards to be able to stop. But you're gonna. I, I gotta believe you're gonna see eight, nine in the box. Yeah. Uh, when it comes time, and they're gonna. They're gonna try to make the quarterback do some things maybe he hasn't been able to do all year. And the other good part is that JA knows how to plan for something like that because they've, you know, practiced each other uh, all year long. Um, and uh, you know, on the defensive side, I talked to Nate a little bit. Their front seven, uh, specifically their four down linemen, um, are big boys. Uh, they create a lot of pressure on both uh, run and pass defense, um, and but but I don't think that the philosophy is going to change much for Jonathan Alder when it comes to this game. You have to establish the run. Um, that's what Nate has always preached this season, and um, you know with with the one week at a time mindset, it's led to this moment. Um, Nate is very um, adamant that. He wants to continue playing with this senior group, but he wants to continue playing this season. Um, and so just pumping up the guys for Friday night, I, I, would, I would hope that the attitude is, yes, let's keep this going as, as much as possible and see if we can pull up an upset. Um, I, I it's pretty up. bad coaching if you don't. <laughs> if that's not yeah. your philosophy in the playoffs. Right. I, I looked at past history. Uh, Reedy is a five and Jonathan Order is a 12. Now, in the NCAA basketball bracket, the 5 and 12, usually there was upsets by the 12 team beating the 5. Not so much with uh, playoff football in Ohio. Uh, Last year of the 28 games that were 
between a five and a twelve. The five one twenty six of them. Reed's and Reed's got a pretty good pedigree too. Yeah, They're not going to be overwhelmed by yeah. being there. I'd upset Kanaker five twelve, but I'd feel more comfortable thinking that if you had your top offensive weapon certainly. around. Oh, I certainly. mean, with with, with your two thousand yard rusher. Have a shot of uh, of a five twelve upset, I with with Cam on the sidelines in the cast to quote Don McLean's American Pie. But I'll say this: the game begins and ends with stopping Reedy's offense. Yeah, like Alder can do what it whatever whatever it wants, but if they can't stop that yeah. kid from scoring a hundred touchdowns like he does, yeah, it doesn't matter what. Alder's offense. At least their defense That's is true. healthy. Yeah. Because they're going to have to bite this kid's foot or something <laughs> to stop him. Because, yeah. like, it doesn't matter if you score five touchdowns and this kid scores six. I mean, you've got to slow him down. So that's the key. I mean, it, it honestly, I would think with Cam or without, if you can't stop this kid, I mean, Cam's 2,000 yard rusher. This kid's whatever, disputed. More than that. Uh, like, however many he's had, like, you've got to slow him down to have any chance with or without Cam. Yeah, you, is he – their ball carrier, is he an up-the-gut type of kid? Or can he get to the outside pretty quickly? I, w- I, I would say that um, Curtis, unlike Cam, can definitely make plays happen when you run it up the middle. Um, Cam very rarely ever ran it up the middle. Um but, I think he was talking yeah, about, the way, about oh, the way oh, there, the reading yeah. running back. Oh, okay. um, well, from the film that I saw, um, it seems like most of his big play runs come from outside. Around the end. Yeah. So that means outside. their defensive ends are going to have to get pressure and disrupt that, either make him bump it wider than he wants to, loop around him, or cut it up inside where they've got some help coming. Yeah. And, and, and Alex Boggs and Zach Gantz have been making plays um, – on those positions all year long. But this, again, will be a test to see if, you know, they can show up to the game or not. Um, one of the things that I forgot to mention during the Tecumseh game, uh, they one of the starting defensive linemen, Anthony Kroninger, um, was out. Um, I mean, he dressed, but he he was kind of nursing a ankle uh, injury from what I could gather. And... Um, but he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't play. A yeah, let snap. that thing heal up. You so, don't need him in that game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let that heal up. You're gonna need. You're gonna need your defense at full strength. Yeah. So yeah, and and, and 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 he serves as, um, he serves as a good like inside interior defensive lineman. Um, I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna, come in with a plethora of uh, misdirection plays, um, but that might be something that Jonathan Alder will have to prepare for in terms of, what to expect, because. Um, Kentrell Reinhardt, as he has been known all throughout this season, is a playmaker. So, well, now we come to Marysville, and Marysville will go play at Olentangy Berlin as the 15th seed. The Bears are number two, and this is a game between two teams that played each other a couple weeks ago in Week Nine, and that. Uh, was an unfortunate game for the Monarchs. They lost thirty-four to fourteen. But, but uh, Chad, you covered that game. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, what did you just see last week? Yeah, let's, in the loss to Olin. Yeah, Tangy we'll talk about Olin Tangy. Friday's game first. 
Um, and we'll talk about the helicopter arrival. And the <laughs> helicopter, the wasted tax money of the fine people of Pennsylvania <laughs> flying James Franklin for a half of high school football when he could have driven 15 miles down the road. I don't even understand it. <laughs> so Marysville played toe-to-toe with the best team in their region for three quarters and one minute. Um, they held a lead in the fourth quarter, and I don't in Marysville fashion, they had a play that just unraveled everything. So Marysville comes out. First play of the game, J.J. Henry hits a 50-yard run. They move on down and score a touchdown. It gave them a massive amount of confidence to come out on this team that's number one in the region, state-ranked, big Penn State committed quarterback, and you've got the early lead. They they held, you know, they held Old Tangy to a missed field goal. Old Tangy eventually, uh, Grunkemeyer, you know, completed a pass, and they, they tied the game up and then took – took the lead in the second half, second quarter. But Marysville then fought, see, and this is what was nice. Marysville lost the lead, but fought back late in the half and took it back. There's some maturity there, especially against a team this good. Um, pressed into, amazingly enough, Marysville comes out, and, and we talked about uh, Corbin Wallace, their sophomore, that they kind of pushed into that fullback spot, hurt his neck. They wanted to get... Kratowsk, they had moved Kratowskis back in there at fullback. Well, they wanted to get him back out of there. So here they come with a pair of their starting linebackers running at fullback, Vanden Fultz and Brandon Dunn, running the ball. Haven't had a single carry between them until Friday night against the number one team in the region. And then they combine for, I don't know, 16, 16 carries from that fullback position and, and did a nice job. They scored a touchdown. They combined for almost 70 yards. It was, it was, but it was very strange to see, you know, Fultz's flowing blonde hair, and 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 Dunn's a big kid, so he kind of rumbles in there. He's very big. So, I saw him run the ball during the scrimmage earlier. So they, uh, you know, Fultz scored a touchdown. Uh, Marysville got an interception from Grunkemeyer. Uh, Hilcher picked one off, gave Marysville good field position. They scored two touchdowns, you know, at the end of the first half, late in the first half and take a 21-13 lead into the half. Um, you know, it's almost impossible to stop <laughs> Olin Tangy's offense. You've just got to try to get some big plays and keep counterpunching it. Grunkemeyer comes back and, and throws another a 23-yard touchdown pass. Um, they missed the extra point. So Olin Tangy's down 21-19 heading into the fourth. Um. Yeah, oh, Marysville. My <laughs> God. So they go in the fourth quarter with a two point lead. I don't mean to laugh. I'm it sorry. is. Yeah. You, you, you set that editorial. Uh, yeah. So Marysville, I got to think what set this up. Owen Tangy got the ball. Oh, they, they got an interception. Owen Tangy got an interception, ran it in for a touchdown, but there was a hold on the return. So that it backed him up as the ball went into the fourth quarter. Olin Tangy then gives Marysville some help, gets two straight offsides penalties, and then after that comes back and Marysville gets a sack. So they have Olin Tangy set up at the old fourth and 24 Oof. from 
Marysville's 29-yard line. I feel like I know where this is going. Dramatic music <laughs> it, in the background, please. You know you know where it's going. It, yeah. it has happened. I'll bet five times teams had converted fourth and 20 plays on Marysville. And it almost always plays out the same way. Grunkemeyer drops back. They get pressure on him. He scrambles around a little bit. And Marysville's DBs get caught looking in the backfield. And then Grunkemeyer hoists the ball. And as your head turns, there's one guy standing in the end zone. And he ain't wearing monarch colors. <laughs> I took three or four pictures, and a Marysville kid never moved into the frame. The ball comes down like that kid is so wide open. It, it like no one could even break on the ball. Chad put a picture in uh, Friday night after the game, and he he looks over at me and he says, "I want you to look at this picture." I put in the the file, so I called it up. And my first thoughts were, oh, no. <laughs> there was an old and tangy maintenance guy standing next to me. <laughs> and he goes, boy, did you get that? And I said, well, unfortunately, I'm shooting for Marysville, and there's none of our guys in that photo. <laughs> I think, there was no one around. I think I saw a sliver of an arm like in it the is, frame. But, yeah, no, it wasn't it, even it's close. So t- and, and Marysville fans have seen this. Tim, you've been to one Marysville game, and you saw one. The uh Bradley game, I it believe. Happens it happens over and over. And you over. called it before it even happened. It, ha- it happens over and over. They, they they just keep having these pass plays. Fourth down, game on the line. Game. This one wasn't game on the line, but it turned it. After this, like, they, scored, they went down and scored two more touchdowns. Fast. Like, it gave them the confidence they wanted. And, and Brent Johnson, Marysville's coach, said, if we get that stop there, what happens? You know, just thinking out loud what happens from there you know who knows but it's like but a we domino it's like a domino effect one play like you said leads to something else better for the opposing team and it's like when are we going to be able to get this had stopped? he been had Drunkenmeyer been pretty mobile the whole time oh he's tough <laughs> yeah, and, he's and tough. see that's what makes it tough is when you have a mobile quarterback like that who can do some things on the run he doesn't he and he wasn't what Marysville will see in the playoffs, the kid, that Brewster kid from Berlin, that kid's a, a weapon with his feet. Grunkenmeyer wasn't that. He, but he could avoid the sack. He knew when to step up. He knew when to slide right. He could feel it come. He almost got Marysville almost got a safety on him one, and he sidestepped and moved up and completed. It. Like he's he has a really good internal clock. And the other thing he's got going for him is he's got a super quick release. He doesn't have to rear back and take a big, long lever throw to get the ball out of his hands. You know, it's ear hole to extended arm, and that gets out of there quick. So if he's got something coming, he can he can just chuck it quick. And you know, he did a lot of that. I suppose I should probably mention the final score as I launched right into my <laughs> my pain. Um, it, it it ended up. Uh, 39-29. Like I said, Olin Tangy scored three times in that fourth quarter. Marysville got one there right at the end, but it was kind of – the game was already decided, and they, they kind of let it happen. So, old Grunky, <laughs> Grunky the Chunky, he, he was picking up 29 for 41, 410 yards and four touchdowns. And as Tim Scouting Report said, the problem is they had a host of receivers that could do damage, and they were all different. That was the amazing thing. Jackson Wiley for them, nine catches, 148 yards and a touchdown. He was a jumper, kind of tall and a jumper. He could go up and get balls. Andrew Leach 
had seven catches, 90 yards, scored two touchdowns, and on both of those, he made Marysville's DBs look silly by juking them. He, the one score, I'll bet he juked five guys. They could not get him wrapped up. He just made him look silly and scored, and he did it the same thing on the second one. And then old Gavin Grover, six catches, 70 yards, no touchdowns, but he probably got tired because he was 6'6", 250-pound tight end. Good Lord. He was just a man-child out there oh pulling down God. everything and lumbering after he caught it. Oh, my God. So, who, who was going to bring him down? Oh, they were good. everybody. Jump on his back and <laughs> weigh him down because, you know, throw a chicken leg on the ground and hope he goes after it because he was, he was a lot to get a hold of. Like, they just had a, a variety of we- weapons all of different varieties. and. And he used them all. <laughs> Their fourth receiver had two catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Jeez. They had 148, 90, 70, and 68 yards were their receivers. Like, the kid spread it around. He he got it out of his hands quick. He he ran a – he ran. now, Hilcher got another interception in the second half. Hilcher had two interceptions on him, and that really kind of helped Marysville stay in that game. But, but the kid was tough. Marysville, Marysville ran the ball. 224 yards they ran. Um J.J. Henry Payson was 78, but he had 50 on the one. You know, Kratowskis was hammering in there, 72 yards on seven carries. I mean, they, you know, they had success. And then the two linebackers combined (laughs) for 70. You know, uh, Brevin Bork, when their quarterback had 76 yards passing, he got 66 of those, one big play to a Ryder Fishball that set up one of their touchdowns. So, you know, they had sporadic success on offense. The running game was working, but, you know, they had f- pass plays of 39 and 40 yards against them. And then, you know, other ones, he, he was just really, he was just such an efficient passer that you couldn't give him, you can't give him the gimme plays like that, like the fourth and 24. And it's something Marysville has done consistently and something, if they have any shot, you know, Against Berlin, you know, they if people remember, they played Berlin even, fairly even. I mean, the score final score was 34-14 two weeks ago, but the the stats were almost identical. Both teams had 11 first downs. Uh, Berlin had 220 yards. Total offense, Marysville had about 200. You know, there were two blocked punts in that game, though. One went for a touchdown, one set up a short field, and there was a long kick return. That set up a score. Special teams turned that game. And Brewster had a long run. I Brewster believe. had a seventy-six yeah. yard run. See, it, that kid's that see that kid's dangerous. He threw for one hundred and six against Marysville, uh, and ran for one twelve and a couple of scores. And that's in the second half. They kind of turned him loose to run the ball a little more. And unless I miss my guess, they'll do a lot more of that this this week. I think you're going to see Brewster running the ball against Marysville this week. Well, that goes back to what we've talked about in a lot of Marysville games. It's just one or two plays that changes and they lead the to momentum. And they lead to momentum swings. Yeah. That's the thing. The plays aren't always just the, the points. It tends to unravel. It, it tugs on that string on the sweater for Marysville, and all of a sudden you're – Wearing a half shirt. Yeah. That that's what happens to Marysville a lot of times. They get caught up in these six or eight minute momentum swings that that just tip the whole game over. Well, a question I guess I have, Chad, is you're you're playing an opponent you saw two weeks ago. Um, so I gotta believe the preparation is gonna be easier 
to the fact that now you don't have to work. I mean, you've seen this team. You don't need to – I mean, you've got your own videotape on them, so you don't need to maybe rely on, on other – is that something that is going to play into their favor where you've seen them? Of course, Berlin's seen them too, so, you well, know. Well, if I'm, if I'm going into this, Marysville's finished the year off facing two really good teams, really good records, the number one and number two team in the region, okay? But there were reasons to be optimistic in both games. They played right with Berlin and made special teams mistakes. They had a lead on Olin Tangi, you know, and gave it up in the fourth quarter. You know you can play with anybody. If if I'm looking at these teams, yeah, the record looks impressive, but you know two weeks ago you played kind of even football with this team that's coming in. Your special teams let you down a little bit. You correct that. You get a couple of turnovers of your own. Maybe you block a punt this time. That game tilts the other way. It's time for Marysville to get this momentum swing and make it swing their way. And if they do that, they can beat this team. Like, I don't think there's anybody on Marysville's coaching staff or football team that thinks, looking at that Berlin game, they couldn't have won that. I mean, the score looks more lopsided than it was. Marysville could have won that game. They they have the talent to beat them. Now, they're going to have to contain Brewster. If he runs wild, his rushing total will tell you the story of that game on Friday. I think they can – clearly they can withstand somebody passing all over them. They've been doing it all year. But if the quarterback gets out there and runs, if he goes for any more than 112, it's going to be a long night. Well, I was talking with Brent Monday morning, and he said that that's a point of emphasis. But he also said that they had a lot of film study they had to do this week because um, Berlin's defense also kind of confused Mary's. That was the, yeah, that was the guys that they were lining up with. Yeah, kind of, yeah. they made it look like there was some room inside to run. They kept they looping. Like they were thin. They were looping. Front, yeah. Right. They were looping into the inside gaps from the outside, and so yeah, they're going to have to. And you know, and they're moving some people around. Now yeah. you got, you got. I assume they're going to go. Still, I don't know if Wallace is back, but you got to think that Fultz and Dunn are going to see some more carries. And I, I would assume they are yeah. because. And um, he he also just said, he said, we've got to play a complete 48 minutes. We can't have those lapses of three minutes here and four minutes here. and, and uh, because Which they have pretty much all year. They're, yeah, I mean, they are. You can break down a lot of their games and you can, you can pinpoint yeah. four, five, six minutes. Okay, this is this is where it changed. Outside of Grove, you know, they're four and six on the year. Outside of Grove City, there wasn't a game where they were like completely out of it. They like they had that Grove City game is just a microcosm. I have no idea what happened in that, but every other game, there were those swings that that just that just undid them. And, and it doesn't have to be a very long swing either. It's Not against just, the type of teams Marysville plays. Yeah, you, you can't go against Penn State's future quarterback. And have a momentum swing because you're going to give up three quick scores. You know, this, this, I don't know where Brewster's going, but I'm telling you, he is, I'm more scared of his legs than his arm. He, and they held him in check in that first half. You know, I don't know if their Berlin's coaching staff was turning him loose. I, I suspect it was a philosophy change that they said, yeah, if you see a lane go um, and don't rely on your arm, you know, he, he, like I said, he was 17 for, or seven for 13 for 
106. I thought he'd do a little more damage with his arm. but that, just... That's economical for a quarterback, but it helps sustain drives to set up other things that they do. So uh, I think both Marysville and Jonathan Alder are going to have their hands full on Friday night, but you never know. This, that's why you play the game. Look, there's, so. they're, neither, neither opponent's unbeatable. If I was Marysville, look, if you got to be a 15 and take on a two, I'd want that one. I'd, yeah. I'd want one I played kind of toe to toe with. Most definitely. Sure. You, you've seen that team. You've before. absolutely I mean, seen I, it. And you, whether, whether you played well, good, or indifferent, you've seen them. Yeah. Look, Gro- Grove City, like they, they went on a nosedive after they played Marysville. I don't know what happened. Uh, but that, if you'd have asked me, I wouldn't want to see. Grove City again, the way they handled us. Now but there I'd was like nothing against back. either of those Olentangy teams where Marysville shouldn't have felt like, you know what, I think we could have done it. We yeah. just, you know, it was there for us. We just didn't make it happen. Yeah. You know, last year against New Albany, there was just nothing they could do. There wasn't – neither of these two teams felt like that. So, you know, Marysville should feel like they've got a slugger's chance against these guys. They, they're probably going to have to get some turnovers, and they – cannot let those massive plays happen long fourth downs long runs like they you know make these guys earn it and wear them down if they're gonna if they're gonna drive on you okay well let's look at uh players of the game for the last week of the regular season bob uh who you like for north union i'm, I'm gonna go with uh, nolan draper uh picked up a, a couple touchdowns uh, especially the one at the at the end uh, that put him in a position to uh, uh, win the game. Uh, I don't have his, his overall stats in front of me, but uh, uh, he, he a couple real good touchdowns. I believe one of them came on a counter play, and the other one was a, 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 a like a jet sweep that uh, broke open for him. And and so I'm I'm going to go with Nolan Draper. Triad. Triad was awesome, Mitchell. Um, uh, awesome Mitchell had uh, 26 touches for 178 yards and two scores against Mechanicsburg. What did he finish with for the year? For the year? 1,200 and some. One uh, yeah, it was uh, 1,290. Uh, that puts him at third in the conference. And he missed a game and a half? Yes. Yeah. Jonathan Alder? Uh, Jonathan Alder, Mason Curtis handled the role well, and uh, I already mentioned his offensive stats, you know, over 150 yards rushing, two touchdowns, 20 carries. Um, yeah, he, he would be my player of the game. And I'm going to get back to, again, he was able to play one game to where he could get the feeling. I'm, I If I'm going to hang my hat on something, it's the fact that he was able to play a full, a yeah. full game as a, as a substitute for Cam. Yeah. Fairbanks, I was telling the guys when we got back in the office Friday night, I, I said, I don't really know who I could name as player oh, of the man. game. What, did they have total yards? 47. Jesus. Their punter? <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of kicks on a cold, windy night. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up uh, senior Rafi Stoffer, a linebacker. He finished with five tackles. Uh, that was the final football game of his career. So Rafi Stoffer is my Fairbanks player of the week. Uh, Marysville? You know, if I was going straight offense, I maybe would pick J.J. Henry because um, he had 78 yards and a touchdown. But 
Marysville does not like to play players both ways, but with this fullback situation they've had, when they press those two linebackers in there, and something I really didn't get into in the game was their game plan this week was very much to put pressure on Grunkemeyer. They they brought, ironically, the two guys they moved in at fullback, Foltz and Dunn, were in the backfield a lot, put pressure on Grunkemeyer because they were really turning him loose to go get him. Not that they got there all the time, but they were back there. You know, they were making him speed up his throws. Um, I think we've had – I don't want to double it up on you, Tim, and make you mess with all that. So, I think I'll go with Dunn. Um, he had 10 carries, 30 yards, and a touchdown, and he was in the back. He almost had a safety on Grunkemeyer, and he, he just barely slipped him. And I saw him being back there being disruptive, and, and he was hitting hard on uh, Friday night. So, let's go with him. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week to review – Marysville's and Jonathan Alder's playoffs game, and and hopefully I'm so happy though. <laughs> I, I I can't tell you just selfishly if there's I mean we I, nobody listening to this and if anybody's listening to this even cares but we had a potential to be heading two hours away from Columbus in every direction the four, the four of us yeah. all heading to different points of the state and we ended up in the end with two basically home games, two games in Columbus. Short of actual home games, it couldn't have worked out any better for us. Super lucky. The weather's going to be a little warmer. It's going to be nice. Hopefully, uh, when we reconvene in here next Tuesday morning, we'll also be able to talk about games for the following Friday. Might, Might be the last one next week, the last sports one next week. Might not be. I have, to, have to read your Journal Tribune Saturday to find that's out right. if your favorite podcast is coming back for another week. All right. Well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information. And, of course, thanks to everyone out there for listening. And, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Axiona Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe to the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.